Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JWEggleston7. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. Uh, hopefully my voice sounds a little bit better than it did the last two podcasts. Uh, I don't think I'm completely over whatever the crud is. I think you uh, properly labeled that. But uh, whole weekend of football watching, zero uh, alcohol consumption for your boy here. That's a, that's a rare, yeah, I know. That's a rare weekend, Jordan. Sounds like no fun to me, but... <laughs> it. it I had fun. Um, could have had a little bit more fun uh, if it w- if it wasn't for one game. We'll get into that later. Uh, I look yeah. forward to this rant that I anticipate <laughs> is coming. If we would have recorded it at around six o'clock p.m. yesterday, the rant would have been uh, uh, thick and heavy. But we're we're not going to do that. It won't be quite as bad. Um, but yeah, uh, alcohol did not sound good to me this entire weekend. Amador or not, I will say, I thought at the end of the day, I'm like maybe just one, you know neat bourbon at the end of the day might be good but instead i just fell asleep because that's all i've basically been doing for a week is sleeping sometimes rest and relaxation and a little bit of football is the best cure for anything absolutely um and we will get into the football i do have one i do have a rant uh off different topic than what uh you know you maybe thought i was gonna rant about um and, and we have ran about this on the podcast before. I'm actually treading into Big Kurt waters here. Um, so I don't mean to take away uh, his ability to rant uh, or his, or in you know into his uh, uh, area of expertise. But the, the targeting rule is just officially jump the shark for me at this point. Um, like and, and I just sit here and I you know I put a, a tweet out on it yesterday. And, and a part of this for me is just like, who, who are we doing this for, for? You know, mothers against hard tackling. Like, I, I, I don't know who this rule is for. And, well, I'll stop there. I mean, did, did, did it not feel like there was a ton of targeting and just questionable targeting calls, holding up the game, all of that stuff? Yeah, I mean, it seems like every single week it's it's another level of targeting, I mean, that leaves all of us scratching our heads and wondering what is this rule really like everyone is different there's so much subjectivity that goes into it like it's i mean i brought it up when we talked about this last time there needs to be a clear when you launch and you use the crown helmet that's an ejection and anything else is just a personal foul let's just call it a personal foul and we move on or is it is it even a personal foul jordan i might even fight you on that like i know you had said last week about um, the different degrees of targeting. I don't even, that's too subjective to me as well. And by the way, I would love to ask refs because in my opinion, you got to figure Jordan, that at least 50% of these refs are old school dudes like me and you and, and older Kurt, you know, like we're not the only old school dudes out there. I wonder if they hate it as much, if not more than us, but they are they are forced to officiate it because them's the rules. If you took it away from them, I wonder how many of them would breathe a big sigh of relief. Well, I think you see it. I mean, every time that one of these calls is made and then they go to review it because, I mean, by God, we have to review everything in today's game. Right. They look at each other and there looks like 
a large portion of the time there's confusion on their face. Like they don't know like what am I, I really even looking at here? But you know, the letter of the rule says this. So if I don't do this, I'm gonna get in trouble for Correct. it. So there's just confusion around the whole thing. And I don't think it's just us. I think no. I, I do think the referees feel the exact same way. I mean, to an extent, I'm sure there's some of them that a are couple. just uh, right. oh yeah, get rid of everything. But but like if I, I just feel like we're at the point if we removed it from the game. What is this gigantic uproar that we that we are afraid of? Like, for the most part, people that would be upset about it aren't they? They're not paying attention to this sport. I don't care about them, even if they are. It's the all the place. PR side of it. I mean, we care about the health of our student athletes. That's that's all it would be. And, and and then another side of it is if you the fight against that is when that's when guys go low and that's where you get injuries that way. So I'm not even convinced, you know, that it makes all that big a difference. You know, the 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 pluses you pick up in one area are a negative in another. Um, you know, like I put I essentially how it used to be, you know, back in the stone ages, you know, leather helmets. I'm joking here, but it was spearing, you know, like nope. just and I and my my kind of joke tweet. That I also had some seriousness with it as I compared it to Ram Man from from the old He-Man cartoons. I was shocked at the response for that. Like so many people were appreciative of the Ram Man. I thought I would either get made fun of or had people would have no idea who Ram Man was. He was an awesome He-Man character, man. I loved it. He had the springy legs and you could had the button. Oh, yeah. I, was, I know I know exactly oh, what you're talking about. I think the old the older generation. I mean, yeah, they they would know 100 percent who you're talking about. Some of the young kids on Twitter probably look at that and go, "Oh, what? that's not the a heck? Marvel character." What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I tried to get my 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 seven year old into the He Man cartoons. He got about halfway through the first episode, and he was like, "WTF?" You know, like this is the worst cartoon ever. I'm like, "All right, I tried." <laughs> um, but anyways, that's my point. Is like, you know, how Ram Man with his you know helmet built into his into his shoulder pads. I mean, perfect outside linebacker. Um, like, you know, well-built, he's a well-built specimen. He'd be hard to block. I got to think, um, you know, the way he like, so obviously leads with his head, the, the helmet, the top of the helmet is the first thing making the contact we can call spearing. Maybe, I don't know. He's suspended for the game. I don't know, you know, because there's no way somebody should, should be suspended for the next game. That should be just completely taken out. I am open to something like that when it is obviously a Ram Man style spearing. Other than that, it's just a hard tackle and we move on with life. That's where I'm at with it. I mean, at some point we have to just remember this is a violent game. Correct. And we the, the players signed up to play this violent game. And yeah, you do have to take precautions that you can to try to make it. Safer. Fully understand that. And that's where you're talking about where those are completely egregious hits. Yes. Where it's every single person in a stadium and on TV go, ooh, ooh that's, that's bad. bad. Yep. Those are the ones. Okay, immediately. Okay, you're done for the game. It's a 15-yard penalty. Go sit down. You still play next week because I don't think that, I mean, there's always going to be that exception, but I don't think any of these hits are ever done with malicious intent. Correct. Like, they're not trying to hurt people. Bingo. But these are large human beings playing a violent game at speeds never seen before correct sometimes these things just happen and you 100 and then the other thing you already said that i have yet to see a football player at the high school college or nfl ranks that is forced to play the game via gunpoint right just if you don't if, if it's not for you i i we understand that the point i'm trying to make is nobody's forced to play this game if if you know, so so there are there is assumed risk. You can never legislate it out. Tired of it. I was Anyways. just gonna say you, yep. you you for the risks when you put on the pads. I mean, it's just part of it. 
ran over. I got to feel like most of the people listening would agree with us for the people that don't. I don't know what to say. All right, let's go ahead and move into the actual football. Only five games this weekend, two early, two in the afternoon, one in the evening. A beautiful setup. I was able to have eyeballs on pretty much. I felt like I watched every minute of every single one of these games, so I got I got things to say. Four teams were idle this week. Michigan, Illinois, Rutgers, and Iowa. All games were played yesterday on, on Saturday, October 28th. First game up, Penn State 33 Indiana 24, the Nittany Lions with 342 yards of offense to the Hoosiers 349. Um, we, I believe we both picked the Hoosiers to cover, so we were correct in that. With that, mine was only by a half a point, but hey, it covers a cover, right? But and I think mine was by a point and a half or something, so I wasn't much different. So, like, it didn't yeah. shock me that Indiana covered, it didn't shock me that. Indiana's defense looked good, but it shocked me on a couple other things, namely that that Penn State's offense struggled so much and Indiana's offense had quite a bit of success in this game. I would say the biggest thing to me was the the struggles of that Penn State defense where the, the Hoosiers were able to get, to get over um, several times, and it wasn't just the fluky plays. They were they were moving the ball. Brennan Thorsby was making some throws. They were making plays. I mean, I didn't get as many eyes on all the games as you did because I was, you know, it's Michigan's off week, so I had I had other occupations that I was taking care of. I was, i.e., I was at a bowling tournament. But I will say, this game was on the TV while I was bowling, so I have really good eyes on this. That was the biggest thing that stuck out to me. I could not. I was next to one of my buddies, and I'm like, "Wow, that was a great throw yep. by Thorsby." And then. Next drive. Wow, another great throw by Sorsby. Like he was it, he was making great plays and keeping them in this game. And in all honesty, I mean, he sh- I think he should be at least a Heisman mention uh for what he did because um 13 of 19. Heisman or Heisman, careful. I careful. Did I did I kind of flub that there, Heisman? Sorry. It sounded like an H. So that's Copy, sure. Copyright, cover right. 13 to 19, 260 yards, 269 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. At first, it was how did he get that open uh, trick play, you know, type of stuff? So so those were big chunks of what he did, okay? And, and at halftime, I was essentially like, okay, it's been good fun, Indiana. You know, like you popped a couple big plays. Penn State was up 17 to 14. They had kind of took control of the game. It was, again, more like what I thought it was going to be. But But Indiana tacked on 10 more points. At the half, after the, you know, in the second half, like honestly, I w- I wasn't expecting that. So, like, shout out to Indiana and Tom Allen. We'll get to you, Penn State. Shout out to Indiana and Tom Allen. Now, do, if if Indiana loses out, do I think Tom Allen keeps his job? Probably not. You know, and it wouldn't be the biggest surprise if he didn't. But but one thing on the the pro Tom Allen side of things. They are playing hard. They are still coming out and executing game plans. Like you have got to give the dude credit for that. Yeah. We, well, we've, we've been saying, we thought maybe the quit factor would start to show up at some point with this Indiana team. And it didn't look like it here it because did, there yeah. was three or four different times during this game that I thought, all right, now Indiana's going to, now here Penn State's going to pull away. Penn State's going to, and it just never happened. They just kept hanging around and hanging around to give you a rounders quote there. Um, one, one, one question I have to ask, I'm sure Penn State uh, fans are asking it too, is Chop Robinson being out? I mean, is that that 
big of a deal for this defense. I mean, I I, I think it's fair to say that um uh uh the, of on the defense, maybe King at cornerback, but like probably the highest rated draft pick on the Penn State defense in the entire team is Chop Robinson. So losing a hammer of a pass rusher, you know, and a guy like it's it's not insignificant. That is for sure. It maybe it makes that big of a difference for Penn State and hurts them that much. I mean, it sure seemed like it because there there were there were large stretches of this game where Sorsby was just standing back there and it didn't seem like Correct. Penn State could get a whole lot of pressure. And any any quarterback at the Big Ten level, you give him enough time, eventually, I don't care how good your secondary is, receivers are going to get open. So right. we'll um, see. We'll see how long Chop Robinson's out for because that, that could I, end up being a I, huge thing. Definitely going to want him back for Michigan. I, I, there's no doubt about that. Um, and, and not that the Hoosiers were, you know, blowing holes in the rushing attack. 34 carries, 80 yards. That's only a 2.4 yard average. Josh Henderson, a decent day. On the other side, Nittany Lions. Um, I mean, Drew Aller, 20 of 31, 210 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. He 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 did throw another pick. But overall, I mean, Drew Aller looked fine. I will say sometimes the fans get it right, you know? And what they got right here is this game got busted open with them throwing the ball down the field, you know? Like, it, yeah. like I don't think it's a nothing burger that it almost seemed like Penn State was – forcing the ball down the field on the outside it worked it blew the game open you know some, sometimes the fans are right i'm not saying you just toss it blindly up in the air but it, it was a big play in the game that we're gonna the- have armchair quarterbacks all over pennsylvania just going nuts like yeah see we know what we're talking about ah fire your shit but i mean we'll say i'll say this about penn state you know we we, we spent a lot of time with indiana and penn state did win this game like yeah. there's and it was I mean, a every single yeah, it was a hangover. Every game. Hangover every game. single team in the country has these games yes. where it's just like you know we can't really get up for it. It's a slog. You're off of this emotional letdown. They still won the game. Yep. So you, you you've got to give them that. I mean, it's was it ideal? Was it pretty? Was it what you wanted to see as a pen fan? Absolutely not. But at some point, you're still seven and one. Yes, you won the game, yep. and all of your goals are still in front of you. You can still get to anything that you want to get to, and like you said, if there was one shining light to see out of this, there was some downfield passing, yep. and maybe that builds the confidence there of Drew Aller, and they can move forward with this. And like you've been saying all season with Iowa, what helps a running game? A little downfield passing game. So now, if Penn State can get a little more downfield field passing game, these two horses that have seemed to be bottled up a little, a little bit, bit we right. expected. We'll have a little bit more room to run. Um, those those horses, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton combined for 33 carries, 131 yards, just short of a four-yard average, uh, but their longest rush of the day is 12 yards. I mean, it is getting to be a thing where you're wondering where those big plays are at. Uh, they had like a really wonderful graphic where they showed, I think it was, I think it was Nick Singleton last year being like singled up on a safety and he made a miss and was gone last year. This year, the, the safeties are consistently making the tackles. I don't know why. The the term sophomore slump has gone through my head quite a bit with these two. Not that they're having a bad year, right? But it just hasn't been as, as explosive. Right. Um, a theme that I'm gonna have uh for 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 this um uh podcast, and it's I'm stealing your theme a little bit here. Two turnovers for the Hoosiers, a turnover for Penn State. The turnovers for the Hoosiers hurt. I mean. You could say the Hoosiers hurt themselves on the way to a possible win 
because of turnovers and, and mistakes. So like it's it's not a nothing burger, but again, three turnovers in this game. They had every opportunity at different points in this game to, I mean, a missed field goal, the turnovers. I mean, there was a lot of times where it's like this this game can go their way, and then they kind of flubbed it. So, Yep, the field goal kicking was big into that. I mean, they could have tied that game up at that point, um, or or did they? And they had a chance to, long story short, there was opportunities there for Indiana. But Penn State fans might not feel great, but you won the game. Imagine how bad you would feel if you didn't win this game. I think you're kind of alluding to that already. You got the win. The turds will happen. Can you flush them or not? They successfully hit the handle and flushed it. Like you got you got to win those. And, and they got it. And with that, Penn State moves to seven and one with the loss. Indiana drops to two and six. Staying in the morning window. Here we go. Northwestern 33. Maryland 27. The Wildcats with 300. And 64 yards to the Terps, 391. Northwestern wins again. I put a tweet out with David Braun. I mean, right now, him and him, Shiano and Rule would probably be one, two, three, maybe Shiano and Braun. But like David Braun has got the dudes playing hard. It's no, no, I don't know. I don't know how much more he could do to tell the Northwestern, you know, decision makers. I want to be your football coach and what he's doing right now. I mean, I put out a tweet also. I, I mean, I literally tagged Northwestern University in it and said it's time to hire this man because, like, yeah, I don't know if Fitzy Baldy. sprinkled his dark magic on him oh, before God. he went out oh, the door. God. I mean, Kurt's got to be having just nightmares about what so he's seen from Northwestern. Anybody in the West is. Um, you sent chills down yeah. my spine when you said that right there, but he does look very Fitzy-esque. And again, with the theme, Northwestern, zero turnovers. The only team... In the Big Ten Conference this weekend that achieved a football contest with zero turnovers is Northwestern. Uh, Maryland had two. Don't think for a second those didn't play into that that game. Uh, shout out to to me. I took Northwestern on a money line, took our own advice. Uh, that, that, that saved my butt yesterday. Um, I didn't. I was going to, and I didn't. I didn't do it. I should have. But. Yeah. And, and like. The, the line just did not move. It just never moved from 13 and a half. We said it on the podcast, like so, something's up. Freaking Vegas news. There, there's some, there's some people in the desert that made all kinds hey, of nobody goes game. into Ryan field right now and comes oh. out with a W. I mean, it's just a house oh. of horrors. Oh my gosh. I mean, literally dozens of people at home enjoy it. Like, I don't mean to rain on you Northwestern, but fans come on. It's 11 o'clock game game on a Saturday. It wasn't that bad out. Show up and support the squad. This this team's playing tough for you. That was that was pretty embarrassing. I mean, you, it, it's tough to defend right now if you're a Northwestern fan. Uh, speaking of something that's tough to defend, Brendan Sullivan, sixteen at twenty three, two hundred sixty five yards, two touchdowns, fifty six yards on the ground, three hundred and twenty one total yards. I mean, we we're wondering, you know, where's this offense going to be? Without their their starting quarterback, Sullivan looked struggled last year at times. When we saw him earlier this year, they have figured something out with him because he looks a ton better these last couple of weeks. Yeah, this this would be the one game I didn't get great eyes on because I was I was gone during this one. But I mean, from what I've seen, the offense almost seems to have gotten better. Now that they've got a little bit more consistency with Sullivan being in there all the time, it, there's there's good balance, there's good yep. fluidity to it. I mean, they're not making mistakes, and when you're 
a team like this Northwestern team, you can't afford those mistakes. You've got to play clean football. And that's what they did for so many years with Fitzy. They just they didn't make mistakes. They yep. they played complimentary football. Correct. Hey, they're not running the ball great, but they're running the ball a little bit, and their passing game is working. I mean, yep. Team rushing. I mean, they only had two and a half yards per carry. Like they're this isn't a strong rushing team. Um, this actually reminds me. This might be dating you a little bit, but this reminds me of like the mid aughts to early 2010s Northwestern that certainly played good defense, but they just had this knack of a quarterback that would just make enough plays to drive you absolutely nuts. Somehow pull out third and sevens, you know, in the game, like that's what Sullivan is doing. He's, he's looking like one of those guys, Iowa and Wisconsin fans have all those annoying uh, um, uh, Northwestern quarterbacks going through their head. Right now, it's it, it was what they needed to do yesterday. Six te- uh, sacks, nine TFLs. Six sacks and nine TFLs versus Maryland. And then switching it over to Maryland. I mean, Leah had a good day. 30 of 47, 274 yards, three touchdowns and a pick. So it, some people might think, yeah, but where's Leah when we need him? Honestly, I'm to the point now, where would Maryland be without Leah? Like, and maybe Locks is just going to scheme up a dude to throw the ball, no matter who's back there, because that's a specialty. But you know what I'm getting at here? Like, I, I wonder what Maryland would be without Leah, because there is a lot of messy stuff all over the place that that I, I don't know what to say at this point. Well, I mean, we've had questions about this Maryland offensive line all season, and they rear their ugly head in this game. I mean, yes. like you said, Locks is a good offensive mind, but at some point, if you can't, establish that offensive line to some extent you've got to have a little bit of continuity and consistency there this offensive line was a sieve at times it was a sieve it it, i mean the rushing not horrible 117 yards 4.3 yard average uh colby mcdonald 43 carries he had 8.6 yard average but man it just seemed like whenever northwestern needed to dial something up to get pressure leo was scrambling for his life and that's where i had the thought go through my head if they had a more statue of a of a quarterback, like an like an immobile quarterback, brother, they would have issues all over the place because their pass pro is struggling. It it is not looking good. Um, speaking of struggling, Terps fans got to be struggling. Suddenly, have not heard a bunch from them these past couple weeks. Weird. Like our guy, yeah, like our guy John. I love John. He's one of my favorite follows. I feel bad for them because it's the same thing we have seen over and over again where they just shred everybody in September. It turns to October. I don't even really think it's the weather. I know that's something that people want to point to because it's a pass-based offense. This hasn't been about playing in bad weather. This has just been playing. No, that's the weather yesterday wasn't terrible by any means. No, I... I don't know exactly what it was. If if Locks had hair, he'd be holding it out right now. I mean, he's I I bet he's just chewing ass. I I don't know what to say. I mean, I it's it's just, it's happening again. I like you know like Maryland fans. If we were in the West, we would be doing this and that. You can't say that anymore. I mean, this is the second West team they've lost to two weeks in a row. I don't know it, it when they play a more physical style of team it's it's it, they've been on the struggle boss yeah and i think 
I don't think that's going to go anywhere anytime soon. I mean, no. their schedule doesn't get any easier going forward. No, they've we're, only played. We're at, the, we're at the point right now where Maryland now is what five and what are they? Uh, they are they're five and three. Yep, five and three now. So they got Penn at Nebraska, Michigan at Rutgers. There is a legitimate possibility this Maryland team might not win a game the rest of the year and make a bowl it, game. They, I mean, right now. If I'm a Terps fan, I would sign up for six and six, win my bowl to finish seven and six so that you keep some momentum going because I'm with you right there. I mean, this is this is getting to be O-S-H-I-T situations for Maryland right now. Well, and then, then you look at the transverse of that, and now you have a Northwestern team. I know. Legitimate shot to make a bowl game. They got Purdue and Illinois at the end of the year, which are the most Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde teams. Right. These two teams have completely switched places in this, in this middle of the season. And, and, I mean, I've I've been trying to lean into this this year on the podcast on how big of a difference these teams can look week to week and how different fans can feel about their team week to week. Probably no better teams to compare that to than Northwestern Maryland. Couldn't agree more. With the win, Northwestern moves to 4-4, four and four, 500 as we move out of the month of October. Maryland falls to 5-3. and three. Moving into the afternoon. Minnesota 27, Michigan State 12, the Gophers with 400 yards of total offense to the Spartans, 299. Minnesota held the ball for 36 minutes, over 36 minutes in this game. And, and here's the thing. Uh, so so truth be told, TBT, Jordan and I both played Minnesota in this game, right? It was my Amador double barrel lock of the week. It, it hit for me. Um I was having a little bit of Byron's know, remorse so. on sun, on Saturday morning. I'll, I'll 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 be honest. And then the game starts out, and Minnesota promptly fumbles it twice, two turnovers right there, and and spot Michigan State six points. So if you're doing the math here, they spotted Michigan State six points. They won twenty seven to twelve, which means they outscored them twenty seven to six. The rest of the game, there wasn't. There wasn't a lot of doubt in my mind who was the better football team this weekend in, in Dinky Town. Yeah, you said you had your little buyer's remorse in that halftime. I let you, I mean, I, I played this, and then this was my lock of the week also, and it hit. And at halftime, you were, we were talking about it, and I doubled down and actually hit it again at minus six and a half. So I had double action on this that it hit, and I very happy with my actions on that one. You, you were more confident than me at halftime. Um, for for me, I was still confident in, Mich- in uh, Minnesota's defense. I wasn't sure what we were going to get out of their offense, but what we got out of their offense was <laughs> Boy, a dude, did we get something. <laughs> the, I, I mean, what we got was they just grinded Michigan State down to a pulp. Team rushing uh, for, for Minnesota, 50 carries. For 200 yards at 50 carries, they still had a 4.0 yard average. Jordan Newbin, 40 of those 50 carries, 204 yards, a 5.1 yard average, two touchdowns. Yes, that is the bro of Tyler Newbin. Like, I, I can, unbelievable performance from a walk on fifth string run, running back. Minnesota does it again. They, they can. Bust open the sheetrock, pull some dude from out of the wall, throw him into the game, and he has success running the ball. It's incredible. Well, I mean, early on in this game, they were struggling a little bit. And then if you noticed when Simeon Barrow got hurt, yes, Gannon went down, then all of a sudden 
the interior of that line started to open up. And that's, where you, that's like PJ saw it and he said, oh, we're going right we're going there, boys. It. And we're going to keep going there until they stop it. And they couldn't. By the way, Simeon Barrow being in the transfer portal was a big reason that I picked Minnesota to be my block of the week. He unportaled, played in the game, and then in the game gets hurt and he's back out of the game. Like that's All right. And, and my thought process on why Minnesota would run the ball without him being in there. It came true because when he left the game, I mean, that guy makes that big of a difference. Um, Ethan Kalik Manis, yeah, like I <laughs> that's yeah, the best way to describe his performance. Yeah. Like it's it does look good at times, but I don't think it looks good enough as often enough to go over the bad stuff. I mean, the one pick was horrible, it was down, you know, they're they're and that was a big part of the game. Shout out to Minnesota for responding after that. But if if Minnesota wants to make a run down the stretcher, because they still got a, another tough one on the schedule, he, he can't be doing that stuff. Yeah, well, I think what he needs to do is he needs to find Daniel Jackson as much yes. as he possibly can because yes. he's a dude. Seven catches, 120 yards down. Um, I, I kind of told you my my theory on Kaliak Manis during the game was he's he's got that gun, gunslinger problem. Like He's got this huge arm. And he thinks that he can fit balls into every single window, and they're just not there at this level. Maybe when you were in high school, you could fit those windows, but it, that's not the not the case anymore in the Big Ten. So he needs to understand, yes, you have a howitzer, but you need to learn how to control it too and make the throws when they're there. He threw the one pick, and he had a check down in front of him that he – that's you got seven, eight yards, and then you've got to take the easy ones when they're there. And then the other side of it is what I, I thought I saw more of in the second half, I would love to know – if this was by design, is he seemed to take the ball and run with it a little bit more? By the way, I meant to bring up. I think I think uh, Penn State should do that a little bit more too with with Drew Aller. I think I, I I it's a weapon that both of these teams could probably use a little bit more. Minnesota has done it in the past. I'm not. They seem to have gotten away with it when they do run their quarterback. They they have success. I would think Minnesota would want to do it a little bit more. The defense. Not ex- not especially active. I mean, they only had one sack and three TFLs. It seemed like they were controlling the line of scrimmage more than that. Uh, on the other side, I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just getting tougher and tougher to have positive things to say about Michigan State. I put out my positive, my big positive tweet this week. My essentially positives were Michigan State is helps on the way, <laughs> you know, with a different coach sometime soon. Kate Hauser started the game mostly ineffective. Sam Levitt. Though he came in, he, he he provided some juice for that offense. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Well, I mean, anytime you have a backup that steps in, that kind of changes dynamics as to what he's doing, he's going to come in there and play free and wild. And boy, did he ever! He was running around like crazy, slinging it all over the place. Now it came back to bite him, right? At one point, because he threw the pick, trying to be too much of that. The old Frank but, and Tarkington running around, but but with that being said, that was at the end of the game. I mean, he was just oh, sure. trying. He was trying, trying to, to force something. I mean, if you right. take that interception out, I mean, it was eight of 12, 73 yards of touchdown. Leading rusher on the game, six carries, fifty-two yards. Um, I didn't think Michigan State gave their rushing attack enough of a chance in this game. I don't know. Maybe maybe they they just saw something that they didn't feel like it was going to happen. It, but it like, almost felt like they went into when we're not going to. have lot of success try it like they gave up on a game plan before they even gave it a chance i i or the game plan was wrong in the first place and they should have adjusted and just ran the ball more i don't know two turnovers 
for Michigan State, probably below their season average. <laughs> the least right. shocking thing of the whole week. Right. And then Minnesota added another turnover in this game. So they wound up with that. There's five turnovers in this game. But in the end, I wanted to see Minnesota do it again and and play well and control a game. They did that. They deserve credit. And because of that, they move to five and three with the loss. That's now six losses in a row. And they fall to two and six. Maybe something that can help fight that would be a healthy dose of Amador whiskey for the Michigan State fan base. With that, well, being I, said, I fully support that. I fully support that. Yeah, that's a, it's the best advice I can give to Michigan State fans. Stock up on Amador. Wait till the new coach comes, and then restart your your fandom. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neater in your favorite bourbon cocktail. Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Sticking on into the afternoon. we got two games left. Nebraska 31, Purdue 14. The Huskers with 200 and 77 yards of total offense to the Boilermakers, 195. That's right. Neither one of these teams got to 300 yards of total offense, but somehow, miraculously, they got to 45 points simply because <laughs> freaky, crazy stuff that happened. I, I the, the anger and the rant that if we recorded yesterday evening, I would have gone off was I had the under in this game. So even though I didn't use it as my lock of the week, which I'm proud of myself there that I didn't lose the lock of the week, this game was undoubtedly an under the entire game. The, the, I nailed what this game was going to be, which was a struggle bus for both offenses. That's what it was. But because of the miraculous amount of turnovers in this game, seven turnovers in this game, it turned in the to the prototypical. The offenses are so bad at holding on to the ball that it went over because they would just hand the other team, you know, fumble returns for touchdowns, stuff like that. This was as big Westy of a game as you you could ever hope for. This game had it all as far as that stuff. Yeah, well, so while this game was going on, I had actually flipped it off because I thought, okay, Nebraska's right. pulling away from this. This game is this game is getting out of hand. And all of a sudden, I looked down and my phone's ringing, and it's my podcast partner calling me. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And he is just fuming at what has happened in this Nebraska game. And I'm like, what? So I turn it over. I'm like, oh, my God, what yeah. happened to this my, game? And so, I, feel uh, like we, I feel like we kind of jinxed it because what have we been saying all along? You got to put Jeff Sims in for like a package or something. And then sure enough, he comes in and promptly does the most Jeff Sims thing ever and fumbles. Like, on, dude, maybe we kind of jinxed it. I, I mean, so uh, Henry Carberg, uh, two fumbles lost in this game. Rule, by the way, we're going to get to the positives here, Nebraska. M- Matt Rule just undressed him. Like it, you, it very yeah, much looked like did. a get the F out of my face type of deal, which I support. Matt Rule, like obviously, Matt Rule and that offensive staff are, are constantly telling their players, namely Har- Harburg, right? Stop bleeping turning the ball over. I mean, we said it on the last podcast. If us two dummies can figure it out, I'm sure Matt Rule can figure it out. Goes in, loses, and it was a key part of the game when he lost that fumble. So I get it. Something that we had been talking about is, do you give Jeff Sims a chance? He goes in, 
promptly not only fumbles, but it's a fumble six. That's when the bleeding happened for me. By the, I knew I was screwed right at that point, right there. Purdue's defense returns it in, you know, for a touchdown. That that got them to fourteen points with a two point conversion. Like Sim, and then Sims is back out. I I I think that puts an end to the should we play Sims deal because it has to. It has you to. Your, you you got your shot, man. And and I I've never seen it. I've never seen it from from a quarterback turnover. You know, like it's you're you're right. It's <laughs> it's an enigma wrapped in a riddle. It really is. But as much as we said it's not about, an enigma wrapped in a riddle, Jordan. These guys turn the ball over. That that's it. There's no there's no riddle about it. Like that's what happens. I was when I saw Sims going and shout out to my guy Vegas Jer, by the way, great Nebraska buddy of mine, follower on Twitter, who also may partake in a, a play or two on the weekend. And he was like, dude, this is locked up. It's it's stand under. And I kept texting, like, shut the F up. And then Stop when it. yeah, and when Sims went in i was like oh mg this guy is a walking touchdown maker for either his team or the other team that was exactly what i said i don't even know if i got send out and he fumbles it and produce defense rumbles okay i'm off that but my gosh seven turnovers in this game um okay uh now here's one side here's one unit that deserves no you know, issues or, 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 you know, sticks and stones or nothing. That is Nebraska's defense. Only 195 yards of total offense for Purdue. It didn't even feel like they had that many yards of offense. There was never a time in this game that I ever had any feeling that Purdue was ever going to get anything going offensively. They absolutely dominated Purdue's offense. Yeah. And if you remember when we picked this game, the spread was only close at two and a half or whatever it was. And I told you with these close games, I always like to, when I'm picking it, I'm going to go with a unit, the best, the best unit yep. in the game. I said it was this Nebraska defense. I was proven right. This Nebraska defense is just flat out. Again, there's no other way to slice it. I mean, they've had, they've had performance after performance. Injuries be damned. The guys keep getting hurt. New faces keep coming in. Yep. So this, this this Nebraska defense is going to keep them in this Big Ten West hunt all the way down to the end. They may be creeping up on the favorite of the Big Ten West, in my mind, with how they've looked over recent weeks. I mean, Hudson Card was running for his oh life gosh. again. Like, I don't. I think it was just snap, catch the ball, run. He, Absolutely. That's literally what he was doing because there was just no time for him to breathe. And that's all on the Nebraska defense. Their well, front seven was just owning the game. I mean, yeah. it was it was impressive to watch. One Only one sack. Eight TFLs. Um, I I don't know how they didn't have more sacks. Um, I I, I well, I think that's out, a credit to Hudson Carter. It is because that's he what managed I was to keep say. plays alive long enough to just to save it. I like. I understand if Purdue fans are upset with Hudson Carter to a, a certain degree, but like his ability to just keep rolling out onto the field versus these physically gifted Division One football players behind that offensive line. That guy's got stones, man, and like uh, he's a tough hombre. He is like there are some, guys, dude. I'm telling you, there's some guys who are like you know what? Maybe this next trip into the uh, 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 to the trainers, maybe I'll just stick in here for a couple weeks so I'm not you know peeing blood because like I just you know, and, coach, and, and I need then, a day off today. I just need gosh. to sit in the ice bath for a day. You know, I mean, how many times in this game was the scene? play over somebody on the ground. Oh, it's another Purdue offensive lineman that they're helping off the field. Like, I don't, 
I can't even imagine who they're rolling out there right now. And, and, and I mean, that is Purdue's number one, two and three issue is that offensive line because the, the defensive line, the front seven, they're doing a decent Illinois impersonation. They, they got good slant and downhill defensive linemen that make, you know, they get a lot of TFLs in this game, three sacks, nine TFLs in this game for that Purdue defense. It's something that they do well. And I don't think Nebraska's offensive line is anything to, you know, to, 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 to be overly excited about either. That's, that certainly plays into it. I'm just saying like, there is good things that you see, but when you have a, a unit on the field w- with Purdue's offensive line is that bad, it just crushes, it just crushes the whole team. Yeah. Like I said, Nebraska's firmly in this big 10 West race. They, they don't control their own destiny completely. Cause that early, that first week lost to Minnesota, technically keeps them from controlling their own destiny, but they got Wisconsin and Iowa still on the schedule. They Correct. can get anywhere they want with this. And you know, it's the big 10 West. There's going to be all kinds of chaos. that's going to happen these next few weeks. Yeah. And we'll get so. into that because Minnesota is the, is the tiebreaker that they don't hold right now. I mean, they haven't played Wisconsin or Iowa. Uh, Minnesota's got Ohio State up, coming up next. So that's another landmine for Minnesota that, you know, people got to pay attention to last couple things on, on Nebraska. I mean, team rushing 155 yards, 3.2 yard average. So not a great average sacks are in there. Emmett Johnson though, 76 yards, 5.8 yard average. That kid runs hard. He looked good. Uh freshman Jalen Lloyd, only one catch in the game. It, and and you know what that is when you see a freshman make that play. That is a play where they're like, "Okay, freshman person, you are fast and you are talented. You don't know what the hell you're doing right now, but we are going to design this one play for you, and we are going to run this seven times in practice until you have it down. Yep. Which just, was just be fast, be athletic, and do it one time right. That's it. That's all we need from you. He made the play right, and yep. so did Heinrich Harburg. By the way, sh- shout out to Satterfield, Nebraska's offensive coordinator. This is not his offense. This is this looks like a, a kind of bad version of like the late 90s Nebraska offense, which is a lot of option. Um, I don't remember Nebraska's quarterbacks turning it over like that back in the day. But then a pullback option pass, throw downfield, right? I mean, they had they, this is stuff they are pulling from 25, 30 years ago. Absolutely no doubt in my mind with that. Well, there was reports that some of the old coaching staff had yep. come back to help coach up the option and how they used to run it. And I, I don't think you can argue at this point with what we've seen no we're seeing that for sure what are we also seeing we're seeing Minnesota, uh, nebraska move further into the win column and that gets them to five and three with the loss purdue falls to two and six uh so this is the first time since 2017 that the huskers have ended october with a winning record so we're talking six years ago uh, and then the other stat getting thrown out there. First time Nebraska has gone undefeated in the month of October for 22 years. So we're 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 talking about game plans that were 20 some years ago. Now we're talking about stats that back it up from 20 years ago. You got to give Matt Rule credit. This is obviously a team that is playing much better overall than what we've seen in the past. Even though the turnover, Abs- absolutely are 100 agree with you there. And that brings us to the big. 10 game of the week Ohio State 24 Wisconsin 10 the Buckeyes with 407 yards of total offense to the Badgers 259 this was pretty much this was 85 percent of the game I was expecting just not quite uh what's your takes on that I mean yeah I played the under in it it was what I thought two offenses that were going to kind of struggle against better defenses Ohio State's defense is going to be the best unit out there and it was 
Yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of what I expected. I mean, the only thing I think that you're alluding to, and that I also was Kyle McCord kind of right. looked a little off. Right. Not th- not phenomenal. The, the, the two picks, the I two picks were bad, but that. there there were other throws besides the two picks that left me going, "Ooh, what did he see there? I didn't like that decision." Correct. Now the positive side of that was Travion Henderson was back, and yes. boy, did it make a difference. So I predicted thirty-one to thirteen in this game. So so twenty-four to ten. Essentially, I just didn't see yards for Wisconsin and and points for Wisconsin in this game. There there never really was a time where I thought Wisconsin could ever consistently move the ball. I thought they could pop a play here and then, but move the ball consistently. It it was not there. Ohio State's defense somehow continuously is like under the radar. That's what that's what my feel is. Like I feel like people just aren't willing to accept it yet. Accept it, people. This this is a if it's not an elite defense, it is knocking on the door of an elite defense. But on the other side, Wisconsin, uh, uh, Ohio State's offense. Now, I I was leaning into this pretty hard in in, in tw- on Twitter and in DMs with Ohio State fans. Okay, here's my thoughts. I I'm sorry, Ohio State. Jordan Jordan probably cringe when I say that, but you're you're mortal on offense. Okay. You have a pretty good quarterback with some pretty not so good tackles. Okay. These tackles are not going to get hit the rest of the year. Kyle McCord is, I mean, this is ridiculous to say, but he's simply not Justin Fields or CJ Stroud. Okay. It's, it's not, I mean, it is what it is at this point. Right. It, and it's, it's not Kyle McCord's fault. I, that, that's what I want to say. Like, I don't think Kyle McCord it was ever going to be the quarterback that Ohio State fans have gotten frankly spoiled with for the past five or six years. Okay. They that's what happens. Okay. So call plays accordingly to that. There is a great, there's a better Ohio State team in here. Every time I watch them, like every time they had the ball on Saturday night, I just kept saying to myself, they just need to tweak it. And essentially what I'm talking about is short passes more rushing plays to consistently get Kyle McCord and those tackles into third and shorts. That's what I'm, that's what I need to see. Quit putting them behind the chains on those third and even second down long plays. Cause I saw a ton of second and tens because first down passes were deeper shots than they needed to be. So it's now it's second and 10 and then third and eight, something like that. Stop that Ryan day. Like, this isn't your offense this year. Lean into this rushing attack. They were the, people are so, so scared spitless of Marvin Harrison that these corners are back all the time. Hit those quick little plays. Get your quarterback in rhythm. Then take the take the deep shots. Maybe I'm arrogant, but man, I just think I'm right here. I just I I think I'm smarter than Ryan Day right now. <laughs> That's a joke. Okay, I'm, I'm being <laughs> facetious, but like I just don't I just don't think he's running the right style of offense right now. He's, I mean, right. That's been one of the biggest criticism of Ryan Day, even from Buckeye. Sometimes he yeah. just gets in his own bag too much, and he's too stubborn to adjust to what he has. And I mean, to me, the biggest question that I've got going here is: I mean, Marvin Harrison came up a little gimpy on a few of these plays. What happens if he does get hurt and has to go out for a stretch? Because he's the weapon on the outside that's really helping McCord. And then when you're going to have to lean on this run game and you don't trust it enough. 
it, that's the scary part for this offense because they don't have the thousand weapons that can kill you all over the place. And we already saw. So you've got to get to where you trust these running backs and you've got to feature them in the right way. Their skill sets with all three of the backs that we've seen. Agreed. That they're all good at different things. So yes. use them in the things that they're good at. But it just seems like he's stuck in this yes. mindset of I've got to do it this way because it's the only way we do it. And it's just like, man, I feel like I'm with you. I feel like he's handicapping the offense but because of his stubbornness right now. And, and I am totally with you here. It's, I'm not saying it's like an old school pro offense. Okay. Like no. it, can, it can still be mostly Ryan Day's offense, but, but with tweaks, like the running back thing dead on. I mean, Travion Henderson, <laughs> you think that you think it made a difference? Him being in this game, team rushing 181 yards, 4.2 yard average. Travion Henderson, 24 carries 162 yards, a 6.8 yard average. They Cade Stover were like to me, by the way, Cade Stover, not a catch in this game. That's crazy to me as well. I mean, maybe Wisconsin was doing everything they could to take him out of the game. It just didn't even seem like they were targeting Cade Stover. But my but I one thing Cade Stover did do in this game that he deserves a big shout out for is his rush run blocking. They were doing a great job moving him around, getting him to the outside, sealing it off. And Henderson was just hitting that outside zone. Like that's gonna be there. Travion Henderson, not the greatest between the tackles. Okay, but that's why you got Mayan Williams when he comes back and tra- and train him like put two of them on the field at the same time. Same time. I literally so that way you don't know if it's going in. They right. need to, dude. I I'm totally with you. If, but that's I mean, only but that's that's taking one of the receivers out of the game. And I think that makes Ryan Day skin crawl right there. <laughs> but dude, they should be running twelve. You know what it would also do is tight would, end, two would, running backs, two wide receivers. That should be there that almost all the time. It would make coordinators skin crawl too because they're yes. going to have nightmares about how they're going to try to cover that. You imagine a linebacker trying to cover Trevion Henderson in space? And, and then you're going <laughs> to... And they did a good job of getting Trevion Henderson outside right away, throwing the ball to him. He had a great day receiving. Like, I, I know, I'm not... Again, I feel like we come down on Ohio State. It's just... They've become an interesting team for me to watch because in the past, you're just like, uh, the offense is just shredding people. The defense does its job and, and we continue on. This is a different Ohio State team. This is a defensive led team that should be more quote unquote ball control on offense. Then they become a unit. They become a, a wagon if they if they leaned into that. You know what I mean? I just see I see a better Buckeye team there. They've got a couple games to figure it out before you know the big contest at the end of the year. I think that's what you'll see, but I don't know. Maybe days. We're, we're, I, I don't think we can say any more about it. We both agree. I I think there's <laughs> there's a way that this offense can. Elite. I mean, talking I don't know about Ohio State. Um, no, I hope they keep this offense for the rest of the year because <laughs> if they come into Ann Arbor with this game plan, I don't think it's going to go well for them. I don't either. I don't either, and you know. I want to see a good game in Ann Arbor. I'm sorry, man. I don't. You, I, you know, I, I know, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm, I'm not a Michigan or Ohio State fan. I'm a football fan. Um, and uh, and that's part of what's behind this for me is is Ohio State figuring this stuff out. Uh, and then the last thing I'll say, okay, one last thing, Jordan. Then we'll, we'll move on. But um, um, I don't know who's more annoyed right now, Jordan, Ohio State fans, or Wisconsin fans, because we've barely even mentioned Wisconsin yet. The, the wide receivers. Okay, so a lot of people are saying, what? how bad would McCord look if he didn't have Marvin Harrison? Here's my thing. How bad would any quarterback look if they didn't have Marvin Harrison? Because now, double E, Mecca Buka is out. Probably 
the second, third, or fourth best receiver in the Big Ten when he's back healthy, but he's just not healthy right now. So wide receivers two through five, which we're used to just being absolute all-stars, we are getting to the point now where we have to say they're underperforming. All those four and five stars, they have not looked great to me. I No, I agree with you. They have. Okay. All right. Moving on to Wisconsin. Um, I think you like Braden Locke a little bit more than me, but he definitely shows snippets of why he's the type of quarterback that fits the system. So let me let me ask you. I mean, yeah, yes, I do. I do like Braden Locke a little bit better than you. Let me ask you this question. What does Tanner Mordecai bring that Braden Locke doesn't? His legs to the rushing attack. But, but we saw Braden Locke break the break the pocket Couple. in this game a few times and run yeah, the ball, and he right. looked more than successful doing it. Yeah. At this point, I think you lean on the young guy, and you well, try to build for the future of him. I, mean, I here Here's two reasons you do it. Number one, you just laid it out. Number two, brother, they ain't got any other options right now because – Especially now, Jaylen Braylon Lee. Allen, we don't know what that is. Nope. Yeah. And Chaley is out for the year. Braylon Allen is is like he just uh, he that dude just has He's a hard time up. staying healthy. He's he banged just, up. I, I I don't know if that guy's been healthy three games in a row in his career. Left this game. I mean, ten carries, fifty yards. So that's a five point five point zero yard average when he was in. Once he was out at the end of what was right at the end of the first half. I think it was right down by that amazing goal line stand. Uh, by Ohio State. I think that's when it happened. Um, they interviewed Luke Fickle after the halftime. Like, how are you going to have some offense? You could tell Luke Fickle's like, I don't uh-huh. know. I don't know. I have <laughs> yeah, no idea. Like, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> and he basically said, Braden Locke. And that's it. That is that is Wisconsin's offense. It's, it's no longer any confusion for me this year. It is letting Braden Locke come hell or high water, rain, wind, or whatever. He needs to just throw the ball around the yard. He he needs to run the ball, and then you keep you know whoever's in at running back because I think Braylon Ann will be back. It is a pass first, run second uh, offense for the for the rest of the year. I, mostly because they don't have a, they don't have a choice. I was going to say right out now. of necessity, like it has to be like out of necessity. But uh, I mean, this is what you hired your offensive coordinator for. This is what this is he it. is. I mean, so at this point, you okay? You wanted this offense. You wanted this style. We don't have a choice now. Show. Tell us what you got. Earn your money. It, uh, and and then I'll throw throw this out there. Will Pauling, four catches, 51 yards, a touchdown. Will Pauling is balling out. Those other wide receivers, yep. they need to hold on to the freaking ball. The drops out of these Wisconsin wide receivers is – it is a problem. Well, I mean, you're looking at guys that aren't used to – Maybe I mean, Locke's got a decent arm. Maybe it's just getting on a little quicker than they're I expecting it. I mean – That could be. But it wasn't like the drops weren't happening in – under Mordecai, no, either these fair, wide receivers have been dropping yeah, all the time. Four sacks, nine TFLs for Wisconsin's defense. That's that is a lot. That is more of a comment on Ohio State's offensive line and tackles. If if I'm being honest, hey, I've been saying it. I've been saying that offensive line. So I'm not going to go back around that with Ohio we're, State's offensive line. We're aware, Jordan. In the end, mostly the game we wanted. Wisconsin, uh, Ohio State just could not get out of its own freaking way. For another field goal. That's all we needed. And then we cover in this game. But that's how she goes with the win. Ohio State moves to 8-0 and with the loss. Wisconsin drops to 5-3. and Total turnovers for the, for the weekend, for the Big Ten Conference. 21 turnovers in five games. If you are watching a Big Ten game, that means you are averaging watching 4.2 turnovers per game or 2.1 turnovers for each team. 
That is so. It wasn't that bad out with the weather. That, that, oh, no. No, that was not weather. weather-induced. That was just, yeah. just well, It's all over the board. Like, Northwestern, the only team that does not turn the ball over out of 10 football teams playing this weekend. That's crazy. All right, let's go to the Week 9 Eisman. Yeah, so this week's Eisman candidates that we had, we talked about them all throughout, but we'll highlight a few more here. Brandon Soresby from Indiana, 13-19, 269, three touchdowns. Did throw the one pick. But he kept Indiana in that game the whole time, made some elite throws. I mean, some very high-level throws, so they, we thought he deserved a shout-out here. Uh, the Ohio State duo, Travion Henderson, 24 carries, 162 yards, and a touchdown. He was he was the separator for that offense. Like He was the one guy that every single time looked explosive. And and caught the ball pretty well, too. Yep. A couple, couple, you know. Yep. Marvin Harrison, Jr., Just we'll just give him his weekly shout-out. Six catches, 132, two touchdowns. He's an alien. He Dude, just doesn't belong on this planet. Like he, it's, He's incredible. I mean, I was calling cheat code Saturday night. Like, oh, and the thing is, um, another thing with the Ohio State offense scheme, if the defense starts creeping up, you just throw it to Marv. I, I'm dead yeah. serious. That's it. Like, back shoulder, yeah. deep throw, whatever. He'll go make the play. Yep. And uh, Northwestern, Brennan Sullivan, 16 to 23, 265, two touchdowns, 14 carries, 56 yards. He really keyed that Wildcats victory. I mean, he was he was the heartbeat. He was the straw. He was he was all of it that kept it moving. But for us this week, it had to be Jordan Newbin, 40 carries, 204 yards, two touchdowns. And he really just salted away that Minnesota game yep. at the end. It just seemed like PJ saw the gap there in the middle, kept giving him the ball, and he just kept running. You could see it. He was sucking wind towards the end, but oh, it, yeah. he looked to the sideline <laughs> and they're like, We ain't got nobody else, bro. That's it. Stay and in that's, there. And, and, he just and that's and And that's part of the story, too. It's they had nobody left. He had to be the one that answered the bell. Walk on running back, fifth, sixth string, whatever he was, brothers on the team. There's a lot of storylines there for local beat writers to to write. That was that's that was an incredible performance. Yesterday yep. afternoon. So our, our week nine Eisman this week goes to Jordan Newbin, Minnesota Golden Gophers, 12th running back or whatever the heck it is at this point. Before I forget to say it, uh, so we we did move to three and one with our agreeing with our Amador double barrel lock. Hey, if, so we, if we agree, you should might as well play us. That's not too bad. Um, and then we will now get into what I believe will be hotly contested power rankings. Um, I hit send on that tweet and we started recording. So it's been about an hour. I, I'm expecting when I, you know, we we exit out of here and I check Twitter. And oh, it's I'm going sure to be everybody will be uh, rational and calm, cool, <laughs> and collected about the whole thing. What, what? All right. So one thing I feel pretty confident about is we have three line. We have three tiers. All right. So two two lines of demarcation, which makes three tiers. So one, two, and three. Again, really no fight here, or not a ton of fight. I guess I would say Michigan one, Ohio State two, Penn State three. Obviously, Ohio uh, Penn State is three. There, there is going to be debate, okay, on on one and two because of the resume, right? I mean, you could argue that Ohio State's third best win is Wisconsin, which would be the better win that Michigan has on their whole schedule right now. Fair to say? I mean, Rutgers, oh, Rutgers and Wisconsin are kind of a horse apiece a little bit there. So, you know, um, and it's going to be interesting to see what the college football playoff ranks Ohio State in according to Michigan because the, the college football playoff typically is very resume based. At least we we think it is, you know, it's freaking smoke and mirrors, but just something to look out for. And then we got teams four through 10. This is where the fireworks happen. Number four, 
the Minnesota Golden Gophers, number five, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. So they both moved up four spots with the dominant wins yesterday. Rucker stays right where they're at, at number six. Iowa drops three spots on their idle week. Iowa fans are going to undress me. And I support their undressing of Jeffrey the Greek on this. Um, Wisconsin drops three spots with the loss at home down to eight. Northwestern moves up two spots to number nine. Thought about putting them higher. Thought about putting Northwestern higher. That win got them to 500, though. So I'm just like, let's give it a little bit more time here. Maryland drops three spots down to 10. They're they're on a free fall. Um, so four, four through 10 right there. All of those teams, either 500 or better. Essentially, the reason I have Minnesota at four and Nebraska at five is because they look hot right now. Correct? No, I, yeah, I, I think four, five, six is exactly how I'd put it. It, it, it would. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Now with Iowa, if they win this coming weekend, if they have just a just a sniff of offense, I move them right back up because then you pair it with that defense and special teams. But I need to get that sniff first. And then with Wisconsin, there's so many question marks right now with Wisconsin, because if Braden Locke doesn't perform, I don't know what they're getting at on offense. Like it's 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 running out of options on the offensive side. I expect Northwestern to keep moving up and Maryland is on a free fall. And then the last four teams, 11, 12, 13, 14, Illinois at 11. They moved down on their idle week because Northwestern moved in front of them. Okay. Um, Indiana. I had them moving up two spots to 12 because that was a heck of an effort. And I saw good things out of that Indiana team. Um, Purdue didn't change to be honest with you. They stay at 13 and Michigan state drops down two more spots. They now have the bottom spot kind of wrapped up in themselves. So it kind of seems like by the nods I'm getting to you that uh, you mostly agree with those rankings. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a whole lot. I disagree with it. I mean, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 is tough. It's that's, tough. That to me is the, that's the murky area where it's like, you could kind of plug anybody in and out right here based on what you've seen. But I mean, I, I like it. One, two, three is obvious. I like four, five, six. I agree with that. I think that's that's how I would have it. Um, and then the bottom four of the are the bottom four just and, because of what we've seen out of them. And look at the record. I mean, it's yeah. a it's a pretty you know yep. Illinois is the only one with three wins. All those other uh, teams have have two. You know, it's hard to see them getting a win unless it's against one of those teams in the bottom four. Uh, right. And a couple other things. I tried Jordan. Uh, before the Iowa-Wisconsin game, I tried after the Iowa-Wisconsin game to tell everybody that the Big Ten West race is not over. And, and I'm proud that I could say it after Iowa won the game in Madison with everybody saying, "Iowa, oh my God, Iowa could go 11 and one. Like people just just walking them into the the into Indy. I tried, Jordan. I tried saying that's not. No, but hey, happen. I offered the bet. I offered to take the bet. Nobody, nobody, nobody would take you up me. on it. Nobody asked me to take that bet. So. so, so now what do we got? We got four teams: Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Nebraska, all jam packed, tied for first. There's tiebreakers and things moving all over the place. This is the the Big Ten West is in its death throes. And this is what it's going to look. I will be disappointed if this doesn't go down to like two, three, or four teams going into the last weekend of the year. I think that's what we will get. It's 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 the last screams and yelps of the Big Ten West before it's it's sadly distinguished for the for all of time. 
Yeah, so technically, I think Minnesota has control, right, with the tiebreakers. What I'm looking at, I think, right, because of where the right tiebreakers now. land, I Correct. think Minnesota right now, right now, right so now, like if things right. They chalk and way out. Minnesota would be the team, but they got to play. Ohio I mean, State. They Wisconsin's, play Ohio State. yeah, they got to play Ohio State. So. Wisconsin still got Nebraska and Minnesota. Iowa's got Northwestern this weekend. I mean, I mean, Iowa's got Northwestern, Nebraska, and was uh. uh uh, Northwestern and Nebraska Rutgers the one uh, Nebraska still got you know a ton out there in in front of them too I mean listen I I know it's not aesthetically awesome but it's freaking entertaining and it's going to be fun to watch <laughs> I mean everybody in college football these... begs for parody just watch the big just watch it's, it's, it's parody big, every week the big ten's got everything you need it's got yeah. eliteness on one side fun crazy parody on the other I I don't know why people are so Upset about I'm it. I'm with you. And with that being said, the month of October is over. It's crazy. We have no football left. We are now into November. Uh, so a lot of a lot of fun things to look for. Speaking of fun things to look for, what's the what was the bowling average that you had last time out? Two fifty eight. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. My my league this past week, I had a I had a pretty good week. Average average two fifty eight for three games. Eyes on big listeners did not know we had Ernie. Freaking McCracken recorded with me. The hammer. You got a nickname? Does your ball? Does your does your bowling ball have a nickname? I, I don't have. I don't have the red rose spare ball. I, should, I I actually know somebody that has one that's on their shelf, but no, I don't Phenomenal. have anything like that. But nothing. No nickname. No, oh, always man. been my winter activity since I was just a wee lad. But okay. it makes it makes me a little bit of change to help my gambling problems. So, <laughs> so to give to give the listeners a, a little bit of a visual, uh, Jordan's. You know, he, he's a little protective uh, with the personal information, but he's a he's a husky man, right? I consider myself a bigger fella. You know, he's big bone. He's got a he's got a full bushy dark beard. Just are you right handed or left handed? I, I wouldn't even know. Right, right, right handed, right handed. Just yeah. what what weight of a bowling ball are you hurling? Heaviest you can get, sixteen pounds. Yes, yes. I bet those pins sound. They scream for help as they go. It's a dying. It's a dying breed in bowling anymore, too. A lot of people go down weight. They go down harder, actually. But I throw it too hard when I get it too down lower. Oh man, just just the hammer. Okay, somebody's got to come up with a good good nickname for Jordan. Anyways, Jordan Jordan was Jordan was he was being coy. He didn't want to talk about it. I forced that conversation because I think my mom, my mom, Grandma Greek. She's she's a bowler. She's left handed. Just tossing her. Bowling's a great activity. You can drink while you're doing it. There's a TV to watch. I mean, this time there's football games on all the time. Yep. It's a great activity. In the I just, we, my, the wife came back after some Halloween stuff yesterday. Um, and I was like, you know, I was talking to Jordan. I'm like, man, we should take the, it's been too long since we took the boys bowling, you know? So like you got our, you got the conversation going in the Greek house. We might, we might, we might find some lanes here pretty quick and see what happens. Yeah, it's a good time. My, yeah. da- my daughter enjoys going once in a while. I don't know if I got to keep her away from the arcade in the back more of than course. anything. But yeah. stupid. That's that's the worst thing about the arcade or the bowling alley is that they put the arcades out there to try to siphon out quarters from mom and dad. Oh, buddy, and do yep. they ever? Yep. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan. Don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.